everyone, and thanks for joining us today for the second in our series of Inside the SAB uh, conversations, uh, this time with Dr. Liz Applegate with the subject of sarcopenia and why should you care? Hello, Liz. Good to see you, John. Even though it's through Zoom, I love it. Yeah, thank goodness for Zoom, eh? We would probably yes. never see each other again otherwise. Um, anyway, uh, thanks for sharing your time and knowledge with us today. You know, I remember uh, when the idea came up of you joining the Scientific Advisory Board. Yeah. You know, I was uh, delighted. I think you remember we had a couple of chats together, face-to-face, uh, -face actually, at the time. And uh, Lunch in Davis. <laughs> yeah, lunch in Davis. I still like those lunches in Davis. They're, they're still great. And I remember, you know, when I read your academic credentials, uh, I, it was amazing, you know. I know you're a long-term long -term, uh, member of the faculty at the Nutritional Department at UC Davis, and now a distinguished faculty emerita, which is uh, a prestigious award to say the least. Uh, Director of Sports Nutrition, and again, uh, in an emerita position for 28 college sports teams there at UC Davis must keep you very, very busy. Yes. A fellow of the American College of Sports Medicine and a prolific writer with more than uh, with a, several books and in more than 400 different articles. Some of those I, I remember reading in Runner's World, things that you had written years ago when, when, I, was a, when I was a runner back then, when my joints wouldn't allow me to be a runner. So when uh, I couple that up with your reputation for excellence as a uh, researcher, communicator, and educator, uh, you know, it was a, from my perspective, it was a match made in heaven. And I know the rest of the SAB feels that way as well. Well, John, thank you. Uh, it's been an absolute honor and privilege to be a part of the Scientific Advisory Board here at Neolife. And if only we could get back to those running days, yeah. I would love it because <laughs> I, I miss it. But it's nice that we can talk about what we need to do to stay healthy and fit. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's a good place to focus. You know, uh, a big part of sports nutrition is about muscles, obviously. Uh, building muscle to uh, maintain strength and help build and maintain strength and endurance. And today's topic is about muscles too, uh, about muscles and how they relate to healthy aging. More specifically, about muscle loss or sarcopenia and how that impacts healthy aging and how dietary protein may help uh, us all be able to prevent sarcopenia from ever being something that um, we have to worry about. You know, sarcopenia is a hot topic today in the scientific community. Uh, the term didn't really exist until 1989, but now it's a frequent sort of topic in both the health and uh, medical communities. So tell me, Liz, <laughs> tell us all, what is sarcopenia and why should we care? Well, sarcopenia may sound like either a monster movie or I, I'm not sure. When I first heard it when I was a graduate student, I looked around and thought, is it only me who doesn't know what this word means? But if you think about it, literal translation is flesh hmm. that's lost or getting small. Mm -hmm. And we can apply the penia portion of the word to other conditions like osteopenia, loss of bone mass. Sarcopenia is something that we should all be concerned about. And oftentimes people think, oh, it's a disease of aging. I'm not old yet, or I'm not a hundred yet, or we all come up with excuses why it really shouldn't apply to us. But actually all of us need to take note that sarcopenia is up and coming as a condition. 
that impacts people as they age and we're all aging beats the alternative. So as we get older, what is noted is a loss of muscle mass, mm -hmm. almost an atrophying, a shrinking down. With this comes a loss of the quality of muscle, its ability to function. And we can actually look to different methods to see if a person has sarcopenia to check their physical performance. Literally, it's like a get up and go type of test. Hmm. Sitting in a chair and I say to you, John, okay, I want you to get up and walk about 10 feet, turn around, come back and sit down in the chair. If it's gonna take you a bit more than 20 seconds, we should do some other functional tests because that would mean there are decrements of physical performance, potentially a sign that you have sarcopenia. Wow. Yeah, pretty amazing. I'd like to take a moment and touch on this idea of the biodynamic state of muscle. You know, that biodynamic is a great word. It tells you that life is dynamic, life is always moving. You know, we think of our bones in that context of being mm -hmm. in a constant state of being torn apart and rebuilt as we generate new tissue all the time. Um, and that, in fact, is a big driver of why we need to make sure we get enough calcium in our diet every day. Absolutely. You think that's true of muscles too? Do we need a constant supply of protein to preserve muscle mass and keep up with that demand? Well, if we think about it, muscle represents the largest organ in your body, approximately 50% of your total wet body weight. And when we look at the different proteins in our body, and right now we're focusing on mostly muscle proteins, those are not stagnant. We make a muscle protein, it does its job, it contracts, it moves, it stabilizes, and then we break it back down again. We make it, we break it back down. That's called protein turnover. Mm -hmm. And we're constantly refreshing ourselves, not just muscle protein, enzymes, yeah. tendons and ligaments and so on. So we do need a constant supply of protein, but here's the catch, John. As we get older, our protein building machinery, like a lot of things, think of an old car, it may take a couple of extra cranks to get going. <clears throat> and our protein building machinery is the same way. We need to give it a bit extra to do the same work. Yeah, I've been reading a bit about that my, myself. So <clears throat> the importance of daily protein intake, intake would be hard to overstate, it seems like. I think something that we can all focus on. You know, protein has been at the core of the NeoLife uh, company since it first opened its doors about 60 years ago. Mm -hmm. I remember when I first started working in the industry, primarily uh, uh, here at NeoLife, um, one of the first things I heard about was protein and how important it was. How the whole, the word itself, protein, is derived from the, the Greek word proteus, uh, which means of primary importance. So it sort of gives you, gave me an idea of uh, how important protein was. And certainly over all the years, I've learned more and more about that. But coming from the manufacturing side, I always was interested in, in um, how to uh, handle these sorts of things. And um, I quickly learned that protein can be very difficult stuff to handle. It is very sensitive. If you don't care for it, it can, what we always said, denature, meaning it sort of breaks down a bit and loses a good deal of its nutritional value. If you don't handle it and package it properly, that is anyway. So controlling mm -hmm. exposure to things like heat and moisture and light while we manufacture our protein products, our protoguard process, as we call it, 
is designed to preserve that protein quality and uh, maximize its benefit and prolong shelf life. It's these understandings and more things that we've learned from the Scientific Advisory Board and certainly from, from folks like you uh, that have been foundational to our protein formula development. How, how is it that you first became interested in protein as a topic? Did it sort of strike you the way it struck me? Well, much the same, John. Um, you know, it's interesting, all the, the years I taught, 30 plus years, the very first topic I covered was protein, hmm. primary for life. I wanted students to have a very good understanding of protein as a macronutrient. And I was so fascinated that fat and carbohydrate are critical macronutrients, hmm. predominantly ener energy sources. But protein, while it can be a fuel source, my interest was, oh, but in your body, it's providing all these different functions, 10,000 different proteins in the body. It's not really a store. It, you don't have a, a, a box filled with protein and then you can pull it out hmm. and use it when you want. It's all doing a job. Hmm. And that's fat we know is sitting in a box while padding along our side yeah. where we may not want it but protein is so important in functional tissue. So that really spurred me on. Good, yeah. Yeah, I remember when I was a skinny little kid growing up, um, you know, I wanted to be like this guy, Charles Atlas, the guy that appeared in the back of all of the little kid comic books and had all of the muscles and all of the girls, right? So I remember reading about uh, the power of protein at the time and how it was uh, all about being strong and looking good at the beach. Uh, I think that's, it's probably true to some day today cosmetically, but it's much more involved here than just that, eh? You know, it, it is something that, John, I don't care if it's Charles Atlas or, you know, whatever Hulk monster that we okay. might be looking at. I think we all have that same attitude that if we have a chiseled physique and more so a lot of women are very interested in being yeah. physically fit and toned, it's so much more than that. The protein in our body that forms our lean body mass, our muscle, is what's keeping us upright. Yeah. We're able to balance, we're able to function throughout the day. And rather than just thinking, oh, I don't really need to look strong anymore. No, you do need to function. You do need yeah. to be able to get your groceries, go up some stairs, get out of the way of a moving car. All of that centers around muscle being you know, your, your ticket to good strength, good hand strength, leg strength, to endurance. And that's what you need to keep yourself going, whether you're 110 or 10 years old. Yeah, it's that sort of uh, idea that they've got to last your whole life, right? You don't want to run out of muscles. You can avoid it. You don't. But that, unfortunately, is what sarcopenia is about, is people are literally, because of aging process, and not getting adequate protein, some hormonal issues we can discuss, but that's what's going on. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it's yeah, all the evidence says that sarcopenia leads to frailty and frailty is one of the biggest challenges that we all confront at some point in our lives when it comes to healthy aging. So, you know, it's easy to say, but how does, how does that happen? How is it that muscle just goes away? Well, as we get older, there are various anabolic, meaning building hormones, mm -hmm. like testosterone, even insulin, that we start to see a decline in levels. 
and the body stops making as much protein. Because remember, we make a protein, we break it back down again. So it's not replacing the losses. We also tend to be less active. That influences insulin action, so we actually can develop an insulin-type resistance, Mm -hmm. which affects protein synthesis. As we age, we also lose neuromuscular junction, so we have less neuronal involvement, contracting and utilizing our muscles. So over time, you see, after the age of 50, a 1% loss of lean mass per year, Mm -hmm. roughly. So just think of a picture of maybe a family member when they were in their mid twenties, the vital part of their life. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, then later down the road, you see them and they are smaller upper body, maybe shorter, and they just don't have that same vitality that they yeah. did. Much of that has to do with the loss of lean mass. Yeah, I watch, you know, my, my father is an example you know, grew up on the farm, built a really strong and healthy body. And luckily for him, you know, he maintained that well into his 80s. But then, you know, he sort of turned the corner there about nine, about 85 years of age. And he became a, a, a pretty small uh, representation of himself pretty quickly because he stopped being active. And I think that as he aged, he had difficulty getting enough of the quality protein he needed. That is really what's going on for a lot of people, uh, John, as they age, is that consistent exercise. Unfortunately, we're not living on a farm, and so people have all the reason in the world not to be active. So there's that decline as we age, but also the, the intake of food. As we get older, we tend to lose our appetite. Uh, We tend to skimp on protein in the morning. And as research is showing, older people need more protein to replace those losses than they were when they were younger. Yeah, the the science clearly states that building and maintaining our lean body mass is something everyone should focus on throughout their life to one extent or another. And whether you're 20 or 50 or 80, it's still an important thing that you need to do because in the end, the muscles you have are the muscles you have. You know, that's something I try to work on every day. Uh, Somehow, you know, get out and walk. Uh, Can't, like I said, I can't run like I used to, but I still walk pretty vigorously, try to walk Mm -hmm. through the mountains and and do some, you know, upper body uh, uh, weight work when I can. Awesome. You know, I I got the message. I got the message. But it's something we should all try to work on every day. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, I like looking at new research as we both do, John, and the whole board, and looking at now trying to see if older people can meet those recommendations that we're saying, and they're quite challenged by that. If we say to eat 20 grams of protein in the morning, and they're used to having maybe a piece of toast with four grams of protein, they're at a loss for getting more. So that's what what I'm finding very provocative right now is how do we implement these recommendations. Yeah, so it's 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 a big challenge. What I find really enlightening about protein research today goes beyond just muscles, you know. There's it seems to be involved in everything that goes on in our body, protein and the amino acids obviously. You know, if you think of cardiovascular health, maybe that seems pretty obvious because your heart is a muscle. Mm-hmm. But in other areas maybe it's not so obvious. For example, I've been reading a lot about protein and cognitive health over, you know, long-term health over your lifetime. Uh, It's been 
sort of known or speculated about for some time that protein malnutrition is a driver of of the mm -hmm. risk for dementia, senile dementia later in life. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, especially in an aging population where either by choice or by, by circumstance don't get enough protein in their diet that would seem to accelerate the process. Um, but research into protein and cognition uh, continues to grow. Cognitive health is, is an amazing area that, that mm -hmm. they talk about. One recent article published in the, uh, the journal Nutrients in June 19 or 2019 titled Dietary Protein and Amino Acid Intake Links to the Maintenance of Cognitive Health. It was actually a, a very substantial review mm -hmm. uh, came to the conclusion that uh, there was a strong connection between dietary protein intake, not only in muscle mass maintenance, but also in, in cognitive health maintenance. Then they concluded uh, pretty vigorously and pretty numerically, if you look at the study, that uh, we probably need more than we previously thought, especially as we get older. That is the case, John. In fact, it's, it's Food and Nutrition Board, we're waiting for you. Please let us know these new recommendations for yeah. people over the age of 65, 75, and so on. Um, another big, big area is the immune system function. Yeah. And of course, right now, top of mind, everybody, first off, does not want to get COVID. But also, if you do, you want to be able to protect yourself right. with a strong immune system. Immune cell proteins are a good example of a fast turnover protein. We make them, they live for a few days, we break them back down again. You might think, oh, I want, I want all my immune cells to live for weeks and weeks. Well, actually you don't. You want them to react just like that and make 2 million more over here and divert some resources so you can respond. But the problem is if you're not eating very well, you have a low protein intake, you don't have that vigorous of a response to that invading pathogen or virus. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's an understanding of, uh, of human nutrition and human immune function that I don't think gets enough attention that we sort of don't make the connection between the importance of dietary protein and uh, uh, the importance of things like immune health or cognitive mm -hmm. health. These are emerging Absolutely. areas. I'm sure we'll hear more of that um, in the future. The, the reality is there's a lot of reasons to, to make sure that you get an abundance of uh, high quality dietary protein in your diet every day. It's just the way it is. Uh, where do you see protein science taking us in the future? Where do you think the direction is going to go? I'm excited to see more research and more recommendations from that research, looking at how to titrate protein intake during the day, both for aging individuals, for active people and competitive athletes, because we're starting to understand that Okay, so I eat toast in the morning, fruit, maybe some other item, and then I have a giant steak for dinner, I'm covered. Well, actually, that's not optimal. And to better understand about protein pacing during the day, especially for weight loss. Yeah, right. So I'm excited about seeing more of that. Yeah, me too. I mean, the idea that timing of the delivery of nutrients to protein and amino acids is an example, but the idea that timing plays uh, important roles that we didn't realize before is, is uh, an important new area of research. So just let me recap for a moment. First of all, you know, we started talking about psych, uh, uh, sarcopenia rather, and why we should care. And I think it becomes pretty obvious when you 
when you look at the data, when you look at what's happening and you think about mm -hmm. the fact that people have the potential to live much longer than we used to, you know, if we used to be they, you, by 68, you were done. <laughs> and mm -hmm. now, now we see people going well into their 90s. I think 88 is the new 68 in many ways. So the idea of maintaining muscle mass later into life becomes a much more critical uh, thing for us all to think about. So mm -hmm. sarcopenia, the loss of that muscle mass actually undermines healthy aging. And Muscles are, we have to think of muscles being more than just how we look, that they are critically important to the healthy aging process. And that avoiding frailty um, and all its risks are something that we can do if we focus on maintaining uh, our muscle mass as much as possible. Uh, high quality protein, obviously combined with regular exercise, you can't build what you're not working on, um, can help us get that job done and make sure that sarcopenia is not something that happens to us. And I don't know about you, Liz, but you know, my father lived well into his 90s and my great grandfather, uh, my, my grandfather had a problem working in a, uh, an oil refinery in Houston and didn't live very long. But uh, my great-grandfather came on off the farm, lived to be well into his 90s as well. So, you know, my plan is to, uh, you know, live to be 100 years old and maybe die in a skiing accident. So, <laughs> Using those muscles, John, way to go. <laughs> way to go. I'm going to use love, those muscles. Right up to the end. So anyway, any closing thoughts as we, uh, as we bring this to a close? Well, John, yeah, I actually want people to realize that we're talking to you. We're yeah. talking to you that sarcopenia is something that's going to impact you, whether you think you can escape it or not. It affects 10% of both males and females, roughly over the age 55 to 60. We decline as we age. Right. You have a, an ability through high quality diet, important sources of protein throughout the day, as well as being physically active to help slow that aging process. Yeah. Let the calendar years tick by, but don't let your muscle fall off. Yeah, I think that's a great message. You know, I think it's like everything else. If you don't do anything about it, by the time it's a problem, it may be too late. Mm -hmm. So while you have the ability to build and maintain your lean muscle mass, you should be doing that on a regular basis. And daily protein, high quality daily protein intake is, is important to that important for that. So to all the viewers out there, I want to first say thank you to uh, to you, Liz, for being involved in our little chat today. I love little chats. <laughs> and I want to thank the viewers uh, for tuning in and to let you know that, you know, by applying knowledge like this, we all have the ability to maximize our potential for long and healthy lives. And that is the goal, certainly that one of the primary focuses of everything we do uh, at the Scientific Advisory Board. And I know that is a driving force behind the Neolife Company as well. So thank you all for joining us and we'll look forward to seeing you again sometime in the future. Thanks again, Liz. A pleasure. Thank you, John. <laughs>